Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. I have an incredible guest tonight. It is Felice Hernandez. Let me give her a proper introduction here. She is um, a Los Angeles native. She grew up loving the diverse musical opportunities that the big city life brings. And inspired by that diversity, she's become a chameleon of contemporary music, ranging from R&B, rock, pop, and jazz. And as we know, there is no shortage of incredible musicians in Los Angeles. And she's been honored to work with many of them. Her background singer credits include Neil Young, Hilary Duff, Oingo Boingo former members, Kevin Spacey, Michael McDonald, Josh Groban, uh, Alejandro Fernandez, and Pete Escovedo. And television and film credits include Pitch Perfect 2, Battlestar Galactica, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, 90210, The Latin Grammys, American Music Awards, uh, MTV TRL, Don't Forget the Lyrics, Disney's Disney Junior's Elena of Avalar, uh, Madagascar, A Little Wild, What We Do in the Shadows, and Lin-Manuel Miranda's hit songs on Disney's recent animated feature, Encanto. So... We are so honored to have you here, Felice. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. It is so great to see you again. Good to see you too. Yeah. yeah. We, we're long overdue for a lunch date too. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it's hard enough to coordinate things like when you're in town, but when we're slightly out of town, we live about two hours from one another. So it's, yeah, it's right. that much harder to coordinate. And then with families and all that too. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. have lunch. Yeah. Yes, we'll make it happen really <laughs> soon. Yeah. Gosh, you, we have so much to talk about. You're involved in so many different things that I absolutely love. And I'm really super excited to talk to you because you um, have spoken at the summits and have been just like a wealth of knowledge to the singing community, uh, just as a whole with the Empowered Singer workshops. I definitely want to talk, you know, a lot about that. But just your journey as a singer is just so inspiring. And I know that you've got probably a million stories that you can share with us. But um, let's just back up a little bit and kind of start from the beginning. Tell us more about you, how you got your start and what your journey into singing was like. Huh. Well, I would say I started late, later than a lot of people do. I think a lot of people know they're going to be a singer when they're young, like a kid, and they're taking lessons right. when they're in high school or they're singing in choir, and then they go off to music school and they do all that thing. I didn't do it that way. I actually, I always knew I wanted to sing, but I was too shy to do it, um, which is really funny because my father's a professional musician too. He plays guitar and he's been a band leader for corporate events and things like forever. So mm -hmm. I've always been around it. But yeah, I was really shy about it. Um, it wasn't until my senior year in high school that I kind of got up the guts because I figured, well, you know, I'm graduating. So if everybody laughs, big deal, right? So I auditioned for the high school production degrees and I landed the part of Rizzo. And so she has wow. two solos. So that was like 
people were like, oh, she sings. I was known as a dancer all my okay. life. I, when I was a little kid, I was pigeon-toed. So mom enrolled me in ballet to fix my feet. And <laughs> so so I was like, I was like the star as the dancer, captain of the drill team, cheerleader, all that kind of stuff. So when I came out and sang, everybody's like, well, where'd that come from? But um, it was validation that I, I was good. I, I figured, well, I must be good enough, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yet I still uh, didn't pursue it as a career or as a um, major in college. When I went off to college, I went to Loyola Marymount here in LA. And um, I was just always the good student. And what do you do? You go to school. If you have good grades, you go to school. What to be? I had no idea. Just went. Mm. But um, I always liked music and I had a boyfriend at the time and we were making our own original stuff, doing like house music in the nineties, you know? Yeah. So we were having yeah. fun doing that. And we thought, you know, maybe we'd get a record deal or something just on our own. But college was not a path for that. I was just going to college because you're supposed to go. But had I not gone to college, I probably would not have become a full-time singer, which is very strange. I um, The summer before my senior year, I decided to do some internships and work for music-related companies because I'm thinking, well, I'm going to be graduating college pretty soon. And I need to get a job. Well, you know, I'll work in entertainment. That's mm -hmm. what I'm interested in. That's what I like. So I interned at like different places like um, a music management company. I, I interned at Rhino Records. I interned at a, a nightclub called R&B Live. Just a bunch of things just to learn a little bit about the business. I wasn't really learning anything. I was just making Xerox copies and whatnot. But <laughs> at the management company where <laughs> at the management company where I was working, I was answering the phones and we managed a few bands that were signed. And one of the newer bands that we had signed to Epic Records was a local band here called Cecilia Noel and the Wild Clams. This was a big who's who of the music industry. And they would play every Monday night at the Baked Potato in North Hollywood, which if anybody's been to L.A. or knows or knows L.A., that's like the place where all the heavy hitter jazz players play. That's, mm -hmm. like the, you know, it's a tiny little club, not glamorous at all, but that's where the best people go and play all the time. I didn't know that at the time I was just in college and um, I used to go and watch her and her band. And it was basically Cecilia had this big Latin band. It was a Latin funk band. Imagine like Celia Cruz meets Tina Turner meets Tower Power, just this big old nice, big high energy thing. And she had backup dancers, singers, and they, they sang and they had all this choreography. And I loved that band so much. You know, I heard about them because of my, internship I was doing and so I would go every Monday night to watch it every Monday night I was total fangirling and um you know working in the offices the phone rang one time and she says she calls in a panic police uh, I'm I, you know Stacy one of my backup singers she landed the Janet Jackson tour I don't have anybody and I was thinking to myself well gosh I said Cecilia I have seen your show a bunch of times I know your choreography I've heard your songs oh, wow. are pretty good with harmony I'm like if you need me to help you out, I'm happy to help you out, you know? Um, and, you know, long story short, I'll, I'll condense it, but she ended up saying yes about six months later. <laughs> and she brought okay. me in and it was, it was literally like a last minute call, like the day of, and I was sick and my car was in the shop. And at the time I was on Christmas break at my parents' house about 40 miles from the club. And she says, I need you to mm -hmm. be there and learn everything and get together with the other singers. And we got, we got to get on stage and perform anyway, total like the dream call is the whole thing where you, you, what do they call it? Opportunity and preparedness. 
meet. Uh, yes. That thing. Okay. Right. That thing. So, <laughs> I know what you mean. That thing. Yeah. <laughs> luck. Right. What they call luck. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I was, you know, excited, but panicked and there was a lot of Spanish and I'm not a Spanish native speaker. I took it in school, but you know, it's not really mm -hmm. my thing. Um, but I, so I had to work on the Spanish all that day. I was cramming it, learning it all. Just, you know, to, I really wanted to make a good impression. So I went that night, I did the gig, nailed it. And I also lost my voice at the end of the night because I was sick and I didn't know how to sing properly. But mm -hmm. it was like, I was so excited. Um, but it ended up being a steady gig for me. I ended up being in the band every week. And little did I know that the people that were in her band were working touring people. Everybody mm -hmm. was a who's who of the touring world, you know, um, and, and session stuff. When there was this more like session musicians, I think at that time, it just seemed like it was more of a, a thing. Um, so I didn't know that I was like on stage every week with these like legendary people in the band. Yeah. So yeah. what was beautiful about that, you know, for me, it was just fun because I was excited to be singing professionally. I was making club money. I think she literally paid me $30 a night cash yeah. you know right Sweet. I was thrilled like yeah I'm making money I'm like so excited I'm in college you know so I was excited to have this weekly thing um and to be singing with a band that I was a fan of but I was the best thing about it was that I was learning professionalism from the top people so it's not like I started in like some garage band and had to work my way up and become learn about professionalism I kind of just got like the whole crash course in it by being in that group. Mm -hmm. I saw how everybody learned everything that quick, that it was just very, you know, be on time, learn your stuff, go, go, go. <clears throat> and right. um, I had nothing but good examples around me mm -hmm. uh, on a professional level. So that was really, really great, great training for me. And then I decided to start taking voice lessons. <laughs> and then I learned how to actually sing properly yeah. and uh, started doing some stuff like that. And my dad, um, once he really knew I had the bug and I was getting close to graduation, he thought he'd throw me a bone. He says, oh, you know, I'll, you know, why don't you learn a handful of cover songs and here's a microphone and here's a tambourine and, you know, I'll send you into sub with this person or that person in their wedding band or private mm -hmm. event kind of thing. So I started doing those. Um, and that's kind of where I got my start really was working live. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it kind of fell into my lap. Had I not gone to college, had I not interned, I wouldn't have known about this group and I probably would have been still like, you know, making house music in the garage with my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would have been, right. and would have been married you... and like, yeah, you know. Exactly. And had you not had the wherewithal to throw your hat in the ring at the moment when she, you know, said she needed somebody that night. I mean, so, so many of us just would not say anything, you know, if, if maybe knowing, knowing you lacked at least like, you know, a, t a ton of experience going into a situation like that. But I just, I always am so fascinated with people's stories, how, you know, one small moment in time, one brief moment in time, when you have the courage enough to yeah. say something or take some sort of an action, and then to see how the whole story, you know, ultimately unfolds, I just think is, it's incredible. I love that so much. Yeah, I tell I've told the story so many times, but I love it because it was, you know, I think it's maybe like when you're young and you just don't know any better. So you mm -hmm. go, oh, yeah, I could do that. Right. Yes. 
there were so many things I didn't know how to blend in backgrounds with people like I I didn't know what that even meant and so I probably wasn't even very good I'm sure I got the gig mostly just because I had all the dance moves down and I mm -hmm. knew at least the form of the song so she and I could hop on any harmony part I was kind of like the wild card so I would be switching around you know they we had rotating people in the band because everybody was leaving the tour for this for that um so I was really versatile and adaptable mm -hmm. Um, and I think my natural harmony ear just came from living in a house where, you know, music was all around and dad, dad's a musician. And like when I was a little kid, we were on tour in the BW mm -hmm. bus and he was driving around with his show band. And so I always had it there. I always heard it. Yeah. So it wasn't hard. Um, yeah. So, such yeah. A, such a great asset to have. Yeah. And you mentioned you know, not knowing any better because of, you know, the, yeah. the age you're at or where, or where you were at. I, I always look back on my career much earlier on, and I'm so grateful for my naivete, naivete, is that how you say it? Yeah. You know, or, or just how, how little I knew because of the things that I had the boldness to do, like yeah. calling to try to book certain gigs or like, land certain opportunities and roles. And now so many years into it, knowing what I now know, thinking back, like, God, I'm so glad I didn't know back then what I know now, because I wouldn't <laughs> have done those things. And it's so great for you. Having been in that situation, you were working with these really heavy hitters, unbeknownst to you, had you been informed or had that really meant something to you at the time, you probably you may not have been in that, like, I'm just having a great time mindset, being moldable, being yeah. uh, just uh, making true like friendship connections and everything. Because I think when we, when we get uh, too much knowledge under our belts, then, you know, we kind of, we start losing our ability to, you know, absorb or, or be directable or, uh, or we get a little too much in our head, a little too calculating about what we want out of relationships and everything. And so it was just great that you just didn't know you were having fun. And that's probably why they just loved you and wanted to work with you. You know, I find that the people I like to work with the most are the people who find the joy in the work. Yes. Yeah. So like that, I think enthusiasm is very um, contagious. If mm -hmm. somebody's really excited about something, you feel their energy and their excitement, and then you get excited too. And, yeah. you know, I was excited as all hell <laughs> to be in there like, oh, I could like, you know, okay, I could die now. That's basically where I, where it was at that time. Like, okay, that's it, you know? Um, yeah. That seemed like the be all end all to me just by doing that little weekly club gig. You know, then of course you start setting these other goals for yourself as you learn and, and grow. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a lot to say about enthusiasm. And I would much rather hire someone who's excited to be there for the job than mm -hmm. someone who's really talented, really qualified, but they're kind of like, mm, yeah, another day at the office. I'm not right. interested in those kind of people so much. Yeah, I, oh. I'll say this over and over again. Like nothing ticks me off more than being on a job and there's somebody in the group that's good. Oh yeah, another day at the office. Uh, you know, or I got to play brick house again. Or uh, you know, those people need yeah. to shut the heck up. Cause I'm sorry, 
You could be sitting in an office somewhere if you want to. Somebody else would love to be in your place, buddy. Oh, my God. You know, I I don't want to hear you talking like that. Be grateful, please. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're not, then you're not then you're not in it or you lost touch somewhere or, you know, I'm a jazzer and I'm too good to be playing this or whatever it is. It's like, no, no, no. You you, you accepted the job. Now go in and and Mm -hmm. do it well, well and do it like you actually want to be there. You know, that's really my big soapbox thing for me. I really don't want to hear a complainer unless something really horribly happens. But, you know, I just I know how blessed I am to do this for a living Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to complain about stuff. You know, I'm not, you know, you know, I might not be necessarily super excited about this thing or that thing. Sometimes it feels like old hat, but you know, I still walk away going, you know, heck there's my check, you know, Mm -hmm. and I have lots of time to raise my kids and see my family and, you know, work out and all the things I want to do. I mean, like I have the time to do it because I take these things and sometimes, you know, they're not the glamorous things. Sometimes they are super glamorous, you know, Um, but I'm always grateful for them. They're just, we're, we're really blessed to do what we do. You know, we, we truly, truly are. I I am a thousand percent behind all of that. And, And, you know, really what we do as, as creatives, as performers, when we're in a group situation, which is most of the time, whether you're in the recording studio, whether you're on stage with a band or, um, you know, songwriting, do, doing whatever it is that you're doing, it's a vibe. Everything is a vibe. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. the chemistry that you hold with everybody around you and knowing when you're in that situation where you know you're all working as a team, you're all enjoying yeah. what you're doing together, that it's not, it's not even completely just about selling your performance, but the fact that you're having this like collective experience together and you're all loving it. And when there's that one person or, or two people yeah. or whatever that have become so jaded about doing this, it, it is, we all have our moments. I mean, I get that. You yeah. know, it's when you, when you do it full time like this, uh, I mean, there are those moments when you kind of feel like it's, um, feeling like a little bit of a grind. So we all have our, our moments, but when, when that's your, when that's just your deal, when you bring that along with you, um, man, it's just, it, that is so difficult to deal with. And, and, and really you, you have to have that perspective that you're, you're doing, look what you do for a living. Come on. You know, know, you're not, uh, there's so many worse situations. Yeah, I mean, granted, there's always that horrible band leader that you accept a job with or something. You go, oh, gosh, they're just so miserable. And sometimes, you know, okay, fine. But I also had this conversation with somebody that's like, sometimes when you're on a job and the conditions aren't that great, you tend to find that, like, all the other people that are on that job with you are the most beautiful people. (laughs) Because, I don't know, they're nice enough to take it. Or I don't know, I, what's, what, I, what was I actually wanted to say? It's kind of like being in the trenches in the army or something. When you're going through something that's challenging mm-hmm. or long and grueling, maybe you have a, you know, a long day, a 12-hour day, wh- whether the conditions are good or not. Mm-hmm. You spend that much time with a group of people, you really do bond and, and you get to know one another and um, you know your place as a team, your place in the team. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of teamwork, I'll never forget the first time I went to Nashville. Have you been? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. So 
I went to Nashville, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago. I can't remember. Um, and we went to see a group called the Time Jumpers. They play on Monday nights. It was almost like that Monday night thing that I was doing, you mm -hmm. know, but um, basically all these great session people all together. And it was probably about 12 people on stage. And Vince Gill was part of the group as well. Mm -hmm. And you saw how every person on that stage knew their place. Mm. They knew what they had to bring. They knew when to shine. They knew when to hold back. They knew when to let somebody else solo and let them do their thing. Like there was never a volume issue in this place. Mm -hmm. Everybody not only played their instrument, but they all sang lead. Fantastic. Like every single one. And I'm just, I watched this whole thing going, this is so ideal to me like people who really you could tell they care about the show they care about the other members maybe it's kind of like that southern politeness that just kind of in, infiltrates the whole culture mm -hmm. i'm not sure um yeah. but uh really gracious you could just see it and you heard it in the music every mm. song they played that night the audience was just hushed you didn't talk you hardly yeah. you know sucked on your drink because it was like i'm gonna make noise like because it was just you just respected what they were doing so much and you knew how much care went into that. Even though it was just one night, I'm sure the next day they're all making lots of money working on records, but that Monday night, they're just doing this show at a club and they did it beautifully. And I'll never forget that. That was really something I think the people in Los Angeles would learn from because that yeah. was really great. You know, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, we have yeah. uh, Gus Miller in the comments and he's saying, um, that's because Nashville musicians listen. That's yeah, a very important quality to have as a musician is listening. What's up, Gussie? <laughs> Gussie Thanks and I have together. I've done stuff with him. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's really, true. knowing you your role, staying in your lane, and and having that respect for the other people that are on stage with you, and not playing the whole, um, you know, upstaging game. But I, I also think too, or at least my experience has been the because I've been in my particular band for so long and I've known these guys for decades now. Mm -hmm. um, when you have the, like the self-awareness and the wherewithal to really learn everybody's personalities and, and the qualities and assets that they're all bringing to the table and, you know, not having, I guess, letting their particular, their unique style, their unique communication to, um, to really shine rather than trying to um, make everybody be a certain way or do things the way you want them to do. Because all I can say mm -hmm. is the group, you know, the group I'm in is, is very successful. We all love each other. We have great chemistry and, um, and that really shines through on stage. Um, and I think it's over time, we've just learned to appreciate each other's personalities good, bad, or ugly, you know, we've, we've accepted <laughs> yeah. one another and, um, and we've kind of let down the whole, I don't know, judgment and criticism and just kind of let everybody be their own person performance wise and, you know, business wise. And, and it's, it's let, it's led us to this, you know, very long lasting group and, and yeah. just, yeah. And it, 
Well, you're, you're saying this, it reminds me of parenting. I'm like, that's what you have to do with your kids too. It's like, you know, oh you got to let them yeah. be that them people, the people that they are, that that is who they are. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, you, you can either accept people as they are, or maybe you choose mm-hmm. these just aren't my people, you know? Right. Um, yes. And, and those are hard choices sometimes, because sometimes there are people who are in places of power, but you know, I'm like, I just can't, uh, this ain't mm-hmm. working for me you know, yeah. Um, you know, or you bend over backwards to try to please somebody, but then you end up being resentful and then you end up not liking your job or whatever, you know? So it's, yeah, you got to accept people for who they are or not, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that that's why so many bands struggle to stay together. Uh, bands, mm-hmm. ensembles, you know, songwriting teams, when you, when you cannot, creatively get along when you when you just cannot overcome those differences between each other um i i see that that is it's just the downfall of so many groups is is when you just insist on things being a certain way rather than you know embracing uh, and it's it's really a shame it's the, i'm so glad that you said it's like raising kids because it, it's a family dynamic you yeah know, families that can uh-huh. really communicate together and just mm-hmm. kind of unconditionally love and support and encourage and, and, and let people be who they, you know, let your family members be who they are. Those are the ones that stay together and are so happy. And, you know, but yeah, the ones that, you know, don't. Everybody's got their quirks, don't. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, I, go ahead. Oh, no, please go on. <laughs> no, that I'm, I'm going to lead this into, um, session singing and people who do that too because we've been talking mostly about live music but um Mm -hmm. you know Celia and I with our workshops you know one of the more popular workshops we do is the vocal reel workshop Mm -hmm. which is coming up soon but it's really interesting too the personalities that show up there you we have you know maybe six to 13 people on the average that join the workshop Mm -hmm. and they all bring their own thing and everybody's like, well, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to sound like, uh, you know, I, oh, but she's doing that. And I should do, I shouldn't do that because yeah. that's what she's doing. And we're going, no, 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 no. You do you. <laughs> yeah. Or push out and try some things that you've wanted to do and see if it works. But don't get wrapped up in the shoulds mm. or in mm. the people pleasing mm-hmm. thing of what you think, you know, or they'll, they'll often ask, you know, well, what are people asking for? What, what kind of stuff do people want? I said, well, it's, it's not about mm. that at all. Yeah. You know, if you try to do that, you know, just just bring your unique brand and see where it fits. Yeah. You know, and so we really it's it's a beautiful thing when we're doing the classes and people are bringing in their their assignments and we're hearing what everybody has to bring to the table. We could have two jazz singers in the class, two R&B singers in the class, and they'll bring in song after song after song, week after week. And I'll have to say I would not compare, I would not pit them against each other at all because they're not the same. Right. <laughs> they're not the same just because they fall under the same umbrella of genre or something. Oh, there's so much difference between yeah. singers. And I really think everybody's got their unique brand. Um, so I'm, I'm probably getting ahead and thinking people know what I'm talking about. But I'm just kind of going back to the whole point of authenticity and yes. accepting yeah, you know, people and the things that that they are or what they can or cannot do, their limitations or their strengths, 
mm-hmm. all those things, you know. Some people are really good at singing background and they can't do lead. Fine. Yeah. You know, doesn't mean you're a bad singer. You're really good at blending in a group. Mm-hmm. That's where yep. you fit. You know? Learning those things, learning those those things about you, and and uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Which I, I love what you do with the empowered singer. So I definitely want to jump yeah. into that right now and talk more about that because just you know everything that you just said. This is this is why <laughs> what you do is so important. And when I I don't know years ago learned about your workshops and everything, I just I fell in love with it. It's so it's so in alignment with you know what my mission is and the singing community as well. Yeah. That um it, there's so many incredible professional lessons to be learned and skills that are so easy to acquire. But if we don't as a community share those things with one another and empower each other with one another, not, mm-hmm. you know, so many people who ha- are such great talents will never get that opportunity. So tell us about the Empowered Singer workshops, what they are and how um, singers can get involved in them. Okay, so Empowered Singer Workshops, uh, I formed it with my friend Celia Chavez, who's a fantastic singer and engineer and songwriter and all these kinds of things, touring singer. Um, We formed this together because with the same mission like you, it's like, me personally, it's always been about like the, the chick singer who doesn't know how to plug in her mic who doesn't know how to tell the sound guy what she wants who doesn't these these stereotypes that have been placed on singers Mm -hmm. um i'm sure there are plenty of singers who are like that but unless you help somebody know any better you know i i don't like okay i don't like relying on other people to do something for me or have to wait on other people because i tend to be impatient (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i'm very diy um and so I feel like there's no reason why singers can't produce their own tracks. There's no reason why singers can't negotiate their own contracts. There's no reason why singers, you know, can just be on stage and like, okay, like we teach percussion, hand percussion, how to play a tambourine. Nobody teaches you how to play a tambourine. Nope. Nobody shows you how to play a shaker. And what the stereotype is there is, you know, the guys in the band or girls in the band will be like, uh-oh, here comes a singer. She's got a shaker in her hand. Plug uh, your ears. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's <laughs> fix Can we fix that? Let's fix that. Right? Yeah. So, you know, as a percussionist, I play, and Celia is also a percussionist too. We did a, you know, percussion for singers, just how to properly pick up your instrument, you know, understanding the weight shift in a tambourine or the shaker, um, recognizing rhythms and knowing which instrument do I pick up mm-hmm. or does it need anything at all? Maybe I don't play anything. Mm-hmm. Right. But knowing the difference, you know, learning to identify styles and rhythms, locking in with, you know, the bass and drums, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's things that you, you end up learning the hard way on the job and eventually, you know, over time you might get it, but you know, why not teach it <laughs> so mm-hmm. that we can like get rid of that stereotype and be like, no, they actually know what they're doing because they were taught how to do it yeah um so the vocal reel workshop is the next one that's coming up on september 21st and mm-hmm. that's a six-week course that i lead and celia hops on to that's generally my my uh, curriculum that i put together and it's really pretty basic you know these are people who would want to get into session singing and they don't have a demo mm-hmm. and um for a long time it was always putting together a reel which is you know 
a lot of little 20 second clips of songs. You string them all together and you mix them and fade them in and you've got this nice reel showing all the amazing things you could do with your voice in the studio. Mm-hmm. Now I know actually it was brought to my attention and I, I did know this, but just to clarify, there are some people who hire singers for sessions, um, vocal contractors and stuff who actually don't want reels and they just want individual clips, mm-hmm. which that's fine too. So what, what we do in the classes we strategize. The first class is we actually sit down and we have worksheets and we're actually figuring out what am I trying to accomplish? What am I good at? Um, who do I think is going to be listening to this? Mm-hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff to kind of figure out what am I going to record? Mm-hmm. You know, what are my strengths? Then actually every week, everybody has to turn in, whether it's self-produced or maybe it's something they've recorded before and they just have it saved on their computer or something, a 45 second clip of them singing something in the studio that they Mm -hmm. like. And then we, we all sit together grid like fashion on zoom and we give our comments and tips. And, and, you know, we might say, Oh, you sound really great on that spot. So maybe you just want to highlight that, or I'd like Mm -hmm. to hear more of this or less of this. Um, And it's really fun because most of the people that are in the class are producing these demos themselves. Mm-hmm. Some are more experienced than others. Some really don't have much experience, and they're like, "I don't think it's going to sound good. I just got this dinky little mic and garage." But we're like, "Listen, just do it, you know." Because how do you mm-hmm. get good at something? How do you get good at something? You do it over and right. over and over, <laughs> right? So every week, they have to show up and bring two clips in because they had to spend time on it. And somebody might be like, "Oh my god, I slaved for two hours on this one little clip." And they'll talk about the engineering struggles they had or performance struggles they had. And we're all learning from everybody else. You know, Mm -hmm. people start raising their hand saying, I've had that problem too. And I usually fix it with this or fix it with Mm. this or, you know, Mm. or I'll stand far from the mic or I'll dampen the room or, you know, whatever it is. So everybody's learning all about production too, which is really fun because everybody else's struggles, we're trying to troubleshoot and help them. And we're learning as well. So it's really right. fun. And so by the time six weeks is over, the people who started the class, who thought they couldn't do anything, have this nice, shiny, you know, file full of clips that they produced for class. You know, they might have like 12 different clips of things that they recorded. And they're like, I would have never done this unless there was pressure and a deadline to turn it in every week, turn it in every week, turn it in every week. Right. So it's it's really good about I, I love deadlines because I procrastinate and I will dilly dally <laughs> unless I have a deadline. So deadlines are awesome. So um, that's what this is about. It's accountability and um, vulnerability, too, you know, because everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, OK, you, you can play it. But oh, I don't know if you're going to like it. Right. Everybody's kind of in the spot like I don't know. if I... Everybody feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Even when it's done and shiny and beautiful, right? We're all so self-conscious of the, I hope people like it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but Am I going to look totally you... stupid when I play this? <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, I put it in the wrong order. You know, we overthink and sometimes you just have to do. Yeah. Just show mm-hmm. up and do it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you make a reel and you don't like it, well, now you know how to make more. Keep doing them (laughs) do as much as you want now you know how to record really well just keep recording stuff you're going to get like addicted to it and just keep doing it you know and somebody might ask for something really specific i'm looking for a sia sound alike do you have anything like that no but i can record one 
okay, great. Mm-hmm. Then you do it, you know? So, um, yeah. there's, there's a lot of growth and it's really fun to see the process every week, people getting better at their production, getting better at their performances, bringing more of a, an emotional, um, performance because sometimes it can be mm-hmm. a little stiff because they're trying to be accurate and accurate there is you do have to be accurate but at the same time you want to move people here because that's what they remember when they hear your demo too yeah so yeah. um yeah it, it's really fun it's, it's my favorite I have a lot of things that I teach but that's my favorite because I really you see the growth because they're doing it week after week after week yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. uh, Oh, man. Thank you for doing the work that you do. It is so important. (laughs) I mean, talk about uh, just, I'm so glad that you use the title empowered singer, because that really is what it takes to become good, successful in this business and have longevity is taking total responsibility for your career. And not, again, not relying on everyone around you. There's definitely a time and a place for that. Because, you know, when you have the opportunity to work with people who are experts in, I don't know, in yeah. whatever, you know, that's great. Then you can you, you can kick back and let them do their thing. But in the meantime, um, you've got to equip yourself in every way possible so that you can speak the language of the people that are around you mm-hmm. so that you mm-hmm. can... Um, be equipped enough or knowledgeable enough to make good decisions for yourself, uh, yeah. you know, negotiating money for yourself, um, learning to communicate with um, other professionals, other people who can hire you. Um, and you, you go through all of that. You, uh, you offer so many different classes. Give us a, r- a rundown of what some of the different classes are that you've offered. Ah, let's see. We have done cover band 101, which is just for people who have never done cover bands and they just kind of don't know the protocol, what, they're, what kind of attire they should have, gear they should have, song lists, all the things, you know, all, all the things they don't tell you, you find out you did it wrong on the on the job, you know, you don't right. eat the food. And all the, all <laughs> when the you never get called again, ever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, just things like that. There's, we did that cover band 101, which is fun. That was just like a one-time uh, little seminar. Um, mm-hmm. We've done something called Get Paid, which is a negotiation and contracts uh, workshop where, you know, we, we take real scenarios and we figure out how do we maximize this for ourselves? How do we, how do we do that thing when somebody says, uh, so how much do you charge for this kind of thing? And you go, well, uh, you know, people right away feel that they have to just spit out a number and then they end up usually lowballing themselves because they didn't get a chance to learn more about uh, the job they're getting hired for or they didn't know enough about the client that's hiring them, things like that. So it's really just like learning how to negotiate and not being afraid of it and knowing how to, the goal is to, learn how to negotiate a rate so that when you go to your job, you actually feel like that felt good. I got paid mm-hmm. fairly for that, you know, or they treated me well, they fed me or they gave me, you know, a shade or whatever it is, you know, if it was out in the sun, all the things that you don't think about that have to go into the negotiation because it's not just about money. It's, mm-hmm. you know, all the terms, you know, the condition, the working conditions. So um, a lot of people don't think about that too. And also understanding the people that hire you they're coming from a different place completely than you as the person wanting to, you know, close the deal right. on the job too. It's, it's very mm-hmm. different. And you, once you realize, Oh, that's where they're coming from. Like, for example, a, a bride, a bride is hiring a band for a wedding. 
they've never hired musicians in their life. I'm positive. Mm -hmm. So how would they know what to pay you? How would they know how to treat you? How would they know that you're not a DJ and you're a band and they're not going to just send you a whole bunch of requests? Like, you know, you have to, you know, they're not bridezillas. They just don't know. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you have to understand, like, come from the place of empathy. Like, this is, this is just one example of something where you would negotiate and just knowing your client. Mm-hmm. And they are just caring that their event goes well. They want everything to be perfect. You put them in a place where they feel comfortable and they go, oh, good. They know what they're doing. Ah, okay. And I'll pay top dollar because I know I trust them now because they made me feel comfortable and I know that they know what they're doing because they've done this many times before. And now I feel like I hired the right person because they understand what I need, you know. That's great. Yeah. You know, I came across um, Empowered Singer Workshops when – you had, um, I think it was called Movement for Singers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and mm-hmm. that just, that struck me. I mean, I, I was all about that because um, I'm, I'm not a dancer, a trained dancer. So movement on stage is so important. Learning like just impact movements, you know, mm-hmm. carrying yourself, utilizing the stage, all of those things. And and I just thought, right. God, that's so brilliant that you would put on a workshop for that. It's so important. Yeah. Carol Hatchett, she's wonderful. She's she a dancer and choreographer and a fantastic singer too. She's done all kinds of amazing things. Mm-hmm. And um, she, you know, it's just like, some people don't even know how to stand with a mic in their hand. You know, what do I do with my hands, you know, or my posture, or we actually had one guy who took the course who is a piano player mm-hmm. so okay if you're sitting at a piano how much movement is there there was so much that she worked with him on like literally how to position his boom stand because he was starting he was doing this thing singing like this right ah yeah and we're like how about if you were like this yeah <laughs> i mean it was such a simple thing but like there's so many little awkward things that can be fixed or you just little little minor changes of just what to do with your hands or your foot or, you know, where your eyes go or whatever, you know, that, that mm-hmm. all adds to the way you carry yourself on stage. So she's great with that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Well, I, I do. I just love it. Empowered Singer Workshops. Um, what's the website address? EmpoweredSingerWorkshops.com. Oh, can I put chat stuff in there? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. I'm going to put a link to our, um, vocal reel which is coming up on the 21st mm-hmm. so um we are doing a discount if you sign up by monday for this one so you save some money by that um let me see yes. we are on instagram while you're typing it out i'm going to give a shout out to chuck phillips who's in the audience hey chuck. Right now in, the ch- in the chat how's it going yeah. what's up I saw him all weekend long. He's a phenomenal sax player. Oh, and, yeah, um, definitely. We, we had a big three-day, <laughs> three back-to-back, but it was fun. We had a great Oh, wow. Time. Yeah. Oh, we're on TikTok now. We finally, we're finally oh, yeah. on TikTok. Let me see. ESW, I think, I can't remember, Los Angeles. I think that's us on TikTok. So, okay. yeah, I know we're getting on board with the, <laughs> the technology now. And we're on Facebook as well. Um, also check out um, Singer Friends LA. Oh, yeah. Talk Facebook. about that. So I, I formed that a long time ago. Gosh, I don't even know how long. But um, it's basically a Facebook group for singers to hop on and to either find subs for your gigs or to ask for advice. 
um, workshops. We post about the workshops there as well, but it's really a place to just um, get any kind of help you need. Mm-hmm. And um, there's about 4,000 plus members on there now. And um, it's just a great resource. People will post looking for singers for session work, union work. If you're SAG-AFTRA, there are union jobs that get posted there sometimes, but sometimes they're looking for something really specific. Um, it's not a place for self-promotion, but you can go on there and ask away anything you want. And everybody is always so helpful. And, uh, you know, they can recommend. So I'm looking for an accompanist for this weekend. Help, you know, somebody mm-hmm. will add that comments. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. My favorite Facebook group that I am a part of on all of Facebook, it's invaluable. And you've got singers of all levels on there, but mm-hmm. you've got some really heavy hitters that oh, are yeah. in that group and, and speak up all the time and are so, so helpful. And just, yeah, yeah it, it's definitely, I can't recommend your group enough. It's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay, let me grab that before I forget to throw that in the chat too. So Felice, what projects have you recently been involved with or um, have maybe coming up just some cool, you know, gigs that you've done recently? That What am I up to lately? Well, Labor Day weekend was pretty busy. Um, Worked with a corporate band with an outdoor concert on Saturday night, which was a lot of fun. And they had... There were three of us female singers up front, two male singers. It was a really huge amphitheater with thousands mm-hmm. of people. Super fun. We did that on Saturday. Um, there's a Steely Dan tribute band that I work with, which I love, love, love so much. I've been with them for 20 years. Steely okay. Dan's my favorite band. Yeah. Just so you know. And the harmonies are intricate. And um, it's an 11-piece band. And oh. we don't skip on anything because we want to play the music really true to the music. You better so, if you're doing Steely Dan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So we've been doing that. We did a, a, was it a concert in Hermosa Beach down at the pier. Mm-hmm. Really great on the sand. It was really fun. What else? I don't know. Just a little of everything. Yeah. You know, but I, but um, Empowered Singer Workshops kind of took a break for a while just because uh, some different changes with life and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, we are going to have a four-year anniversary party. We just have to plan when we're going to do that. We had a first-year anniversary party, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then COVID happened and all that. But um, we really like to see people in person. So we'll do something and we'll have a cake. And yeah. That. So that'll be fun too. Yeah. I want to cruise out for that one. Oh, yeah, totally. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yes, Tell yes. me about um, your experience with Encanto. How did that come? Uh, how did that come along for you? And, and what was the experience like? It's so funny how those things come because, you know, you just get a phone call from somebody, someone that, you know, um, uh, a singer I know that I've known for a really long time, Antonio Sol. Uh, he's done stuff with Dancing with the Stars. And he, I think he did like Coco and all these things like that, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Um, he called me last summer and he says, Hey, do your kids sing? I'm like, my daughter does. My son, he's, yeah, he could, she, he's like, he sings, right? <laughs> I'm like, I guess why? Oh, there's a Disney <laughs> movie and there, it's a Lin-Manuel Miranda thing. And we need some Latino kids for, for the kids choir. You know, do you think they could do it? Let me ask. Hey kids, can you do it? Yeah. Yes, they <laughs> can do it. Okay. So, and he says, don't worry, I'll get you too. <laughs> I'm like, you're calling my kids first, right? So he calls the kids first. And then uh, maybe like a week or two later, he called me and says, we're putting together the choir. Um, 
Oscar and Kanto. And, you know, when you get these calls, you don't know who is going to be there. You don't really know what you're going to sing usually or, or anything. They just said we're, we were going to be on the, on the Fox studio lot the first day. It was two days of, of work. Um, and they had, there were two choirs. I was not part of the second choir. One choir was for all of the Lin-Manuel Miranda songs for Encanto. That was in that one. Then there was mm -hmm. another choir that was put together by another contractor for um, Jermaine Franco's, the score of Encanto. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, not, not the pop songs, but just the, all the oohs and ahs and all that, right. that kind of stuff. So there was another choir for that. Um, but there were 12 of us. And uh, because they were being really strict about, um, COVID restrictions, we each had our own mic and our own little like partitioned booth. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge sound stage and, and we all had our own little spot with our charts. We were lucky enough to get demo recordings the night before. So mm. we got to hear it a little bit, but mm -hmm. not that much time really to prepare or anything. So we were reading. Mm. Um, so I was the alto. There were three altos. So three of everything. Three altos, three sopranos, three baritones three tenors um but yeah it was really cool I mean you just get there and uh the music director I thought we maybe would see Lin-Manuel Miranda he was not there but his right hand man was there um mm -hmm. Kurt Crowley is his name so he was there with the piano just directing and and uh guiding us through all the songs Bruno all the all the songs that were on that soundtrack yeah, it was really neat. And it's neat, too, because that was the first time I had done an animated spot. Mm -hmm. So um, you actually get to see, you know, on screen, the animation, the characters, and you're you're singing along to that. But, you know, they're still in their rough draft form. They're not finished yet. So it's really neat to see the behind the scenes of of, of mm. this animated movie still in like pencil sketches, some of them. And some of them are just kind of pixelated, not really um like finished so mm -hmm. very cool for, to see the process yeah, yeah. exciting that is so and, you know, cool you, do these things, you don't know it's going to be a big hit movie or not you just you know right. it's disney and that that's good enough for me that was great and it was good really fine. fun and I, was happy. <laughs> I was happy that the kids got to do it you know it was really great for them and then next thing we know you know top 40 radio is playing we don't talk about bruno i'm like they're playing us on kiss fm that's wild <laughs> so that yeah, wild. yeah, it was really, really cool. And and that's how these things happen. You know, it's just it's somebody I knew who I hadn't talked to in years. Mm -hmm. But he thought of me and and knew that I had kids. And um, there we go. I mean, that that's really how, you know, they always say it's who you know. It's who you know. You know, right. you don't sign up for things. There aren't job listings. Every once in a while, singer friends, it will be. But not that often. Right. It's, it's people that you know. And you being front of mind for something. Um, you know, they know you, they like you as a person, you know, they're, you know, it's important that they know you not just because of your voice, but they actually know you on a personal level too, because you're going to want to hire people that you like, just like you were saying, the whole vibe thing. Yeah. You know, so true. they're going to yeah. hire people that they like and respect and they, they trust, they know you're going to be on time. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to show up, you're making excuses for this or that, or making demands. You just show up grateful to work. Mm -hmm. and and you're paying attention and you're watching the director and you're you're really just you know the whole listening thing like there's like Gussie was saying about in, in Nashville you're paying attention to your people around you you're paying attention to the conductor you're you're making notes on your charts yeah you know and you're you're showing up warmed up and hydrated 
and you do your job, you know, at, at your very best and give it, give it all the feeling that you're supposed to give it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's really it's great funny. when those things come along, you know, I don't get to do them all the time, but they're, they, they happen though once or twice a year and those are fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. You are, you are such a wealth of knowledge and I am so grateful to have come across you and oh. your workshops a few years ago. And I just really, again, you know, as we wrap up here, want to acknowledge the work that you have done and, and everything that you contribute to um, the singing community. It's just completely invaluable. And, and I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that you've been willing to um, speak at the summit and oh, uh, we'll be having, I love it. We'll have another one coming up in May and mm -hmm. you will be obviously at the top of my list to call in for that. <laughs> um, and I just thank you for your time tonight and your willingness to come on and, um, talk with me the this is obviously it's a live stream right now um but we are going to podcast now too so all three seasons of the unstoppable singer are going to be loaded um to every major uh streaming platform so i'm super excited i'll, I'll talk more about that in the coming weeks when that's ready to go but um just want to thank you for being a part of it and yeah. i owe lunch Really soon. I really want us to get <laughs> we together. We owe each other lunch. Yeah, yeah, we'll get lunch for sure. Thank you so much, Danielle. It's a pleasure and honor. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.